0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Bagel Bites. My name is Robin Nagel, and this is just a podcast series where we're going to talk about the random things that I want to talk about. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about a passage of scripture uh, found in John 5. Uh, it's the story of the Pool of Bethesda, and I'm going to be reading through it, and then I'm going to give um, a bit historical context to it, and then uh, explain a little more about uh, what was happening and what uh, a couple different translations are talking about um, and then go from there so first I'm just going to read the text I'm going to read it in the NKJV for a purpose that I will point out at the end Um, so it starts in verse one after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda having five porches In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, He said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And then it goes into... uh, why the Pharisees hated Jesus for healing the Sabbath, um, and a couple different uh, things he tells the man to uh, no longer sin. And uh, that's the passage that I'm going to kind of give a new uh, layer to for you. I've taught this, I believe, before, uh, but not in this format, so might as well repeat it. So if you've read this before uh, in a post or blog or however I taught it before, um this will seem familiar uh so first uh, i want to remind everybody uh what hellenization is um and the time period and context of the gospel so i've gone over this before in uh the third century bc alexander the great started uh essentially unifying and taking over uh, the entire area and uh Conquered a whole bunch of stuff uh, and started a process called Hellenization, which is essentially Greekifying everything, um, bringing Greek culture and Greek mythology into uh, everywhere that the empire was. It later splits off into four different empires. The Seleucids uh, end up taking control over um, Israel. The Uh, Maccabean revolt happens, that kicks them out, the Hasmonean dynasty happens and the Herodian dynasty starts at the end of that um, and then we get to the time period of Jesus. Um, A couple things that I need to point out again is because Greek mythology was so prevalent in Israel there were temples and uh, altars to all sorts of Greek gods all over Israel. That wasn't anything new. Um, It's one of the things that specifically the Sadducees accepted just because they enjoyed being ruled uh, because they were rich. I mentioned that in a previous podcast. And so it wasn't uncommon to have uh, Greek gods um, in places. They just weren't allowed in the temple. Um, That's what the that's what started the Maccabean Revolt. There was a temp, uh, statue of Zeus placed in the temple, and that was uh, an abomination. Um, so the Jews kicked it out, re the temple, dedicated it, uh, and continued on that way. So the um, different altars um, around Israel were very common, very accepted, and that's just the time period that we're in during this time. Next, I want to talk about uh, the end of verse 3 and verse 4 that talks about an angel stirring up the water and coming down, stirring up the water, uh, giving some type of miraculous healing power to this pool. Um, That is omitted in the majority of... Uh, translations for a specific reason it seems like it was not in the original text written by John it's found in later translations Uh, when we find the oldest translations that we have it's just not there Um, whether or not someone put like a footnote there to type to explain how the waters were getting stirred up and that was just the legend or the superstition that kind of uh, evolved from that, then that's what happened. Um, that happens uh, throughout uh, a couple different areas of Scripture. Uh, if you do very in-depth uh, types of studying uh, in the original language, there are uh, you know scribal notes, essentially, that um, expound upon uh, places. If you look at like the Old Testament specifically, it talks about like, um, uh, cities, cities, and this is what they're called today, uh, like those types of phrases are generally added later um, just from a this is what you, your the current reader, the current, you know, ancient Israel, call this city. Um, but it was this before. Those notes are added later just to update city names. Um, that's not blasphemous or anything like that. That doesn't make the text uninspired. I just want to make that point very clear. So the fact that this is uh, omitted in the majority of other translations uh, is a fair point. People took it out, but why is it there in the NKJV and a couple other translations? Uh, I'm going to talk about that. Um, So, with both of these uh, points, the Hellenization and the fact that there's this type of tradition or superstition about this water being stirred up, um, what are we talking about here? What is the Pool of Bethesda? Where are we? Um, You know, what's going on in the story? Uh, What's this guy talking about, essentially? So, uh, to give a bit of a backstory, uh, is a tale, essentially, of a Greek. half god um, called asclepius he's the son of apollo and a human woman um, who dies at birth he's raised by a centaur and taught um, and he becomes this essentially um, doctor god he's very good at healing Um, he ends up raising someone from the dead uh, and zeus says that uh, or hades um, complains, and Zeus says that we can't have this, you know, demigod raising people from the dead, uh, you know, going against all laws of, uh, life, uh, so he kills them, but there's, um, different, uh, cult worship, obviously, of Asclepion, of, of Asclepius, and, uh, they are mostly circled around pools called Asclepion, um, And these pools are essentially healing pools. They're places where you go, you get healed, you offer sacrifices to Asclepius, um, you get healed. If you know anything about, like, Hippocrates, um, the Hippocratic Oath that doctors still take, um, Hippocrates learned, essentially, uh, doctoring from this god, like that's who he credits um, to be his teacher. Uh, He was a follower, essentially, of Asclepius. So, during the... um, Hellenized period of Israel, a sclepion was placed in Jerusalem, um, and it was outside the temple walls, um, and it was outside the old city walls, and uh, it was a place that people offered sacrifices and tried to get healed. Like That was the whole purpose to them. And then during Herod's rule, um, he expanded the city walls out further he expanded the temple floor out further uh, and he was building um, you know massive uh building reservation renovations to the city when the walls were expanded the asclepion essentially uh, became part of the pool of bethesda and now the pool of bethesda is seen as an asclepion uh, the entire site is built for asclepius um, again This should sound weird, um, but this is also very normal uh, for this time period. If you think throughout the entire Old Testament, there were altars to other gods all over the place. Um, So this isn't anything new. Uh, Hellenization uh, legitimately just mashed everything together, um, and people grew up with this idea that it was okay to do so. So um, this pool isn't being stirred by an angel Um, It's most likely uh, this person talking about the waters being stirred uh, by the god Asclepius, uh, or however peeling pools worked for Asclepius. Um, But it was very much seen as an Asclepion. Um, So the reason that uh, some later uh, note-taker essentially would have put the translation of Angel in uh, was to kind of take away from the Hellenization, most likely. It's a much later translation um, in a much later note, and that's probably why you have angels stirring up the waters in there instead of, you know, and then Asclepion, uh, uh the Asclepion is stirred by the god of healing, essentially, because um, that would seem odd, but everybody during this time uh, understood that by saying Pool of Bethesda they were talking about Asclepion, there was most likely a literal statue to Asclepios around there you can go there um in israel today to jerusalem um, and go to the site of the pool of Bethesda. it's huge it covers it's 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 huge um and it's not even fully uncovered when you go there uh, i went there uh, a couple years ago and uh i actually i did not understand that it was that big um but it's it's a big pool um because obviously the the Walls were expanded, and two pools essentially joined into one big one, um, I suppose would be the best case uh, for explaining it. Um, So yeah, this uh, guy is waiting at this healing pool, and he wants healed. Um, He's waiting on this false god, uh, you know, this uh, idol, to heal him. Um, And Jesus comes up to him and says, "Uh, Hey, you want healed? (laughs) Like, in a very casual manner. Um, and he says, yeah, of course I want healed. Like, why would it be by the healing pool? Because um, this isn't just, like, a guy hanging around, like, any random pool. Like, this is a pool surrounded by sick people because of the tradition That is, it is a healing pool. Um, so Jesus walking up is making a couple different points that uh, we don't uh, read uh, but it would have been understood by early readers because they would have gone, Oh, Jesus, the Son of God, the, people that, the person that uh, healed all these people, um, goes up to this guy laying at the healing pool, the common, you know, known healing pool in Jerusalem, and asks him if he wants healed. And he's making this point of not only uh, are you waiting on an idol to heal you, um, but the man recognizes that the, the person that actually can heal him is standing right in front of him um, and kind of has that faith to get up and take up your mat. Uh, and Jesus doesn't have to, you know, pick him up and put him in the pool. He doesn't need to stir up the water for him or uh, go through all this ritual or anything like that. He literally just says, okay, you want healed. Pick up your mat and walk. Like, it's as easy as that. Uh, and the guy does. Um, and this is just, like, this encounter that's, uh, I don't know, so staggering to me when, uh, you know, you have the full context of the situation of uh, Jesus literally just, like, invading the territory of this idol, essentially, uh, and just saying, you wait on that guy to heal you? That's insane. You're stupid. Like, that's what I would say at least. I don't know if he would say it specifically in that way, um, but that's kind of the feel I get when I read it, um, is, like, why <laughs> Why are you sitting here waiting for uh, an idol to heal you when I'm here and I'm standing right in front of you? Um, that type of, like, mindset. Uh, and he goes, yeah, okay, yeah. And he gets up and is healed immediately. And that's why they have this interaction later uh, that I didn't read to. It's at the end of uh, that passage uh, where uh, Jesus told, tells him to sin no more um, and they really choose the life of righteousness, essentially. After being healed in such a way uh, Because he chose the Lord over Asclepius Because um, he didn't just get healed He was choosing a living God over a dead God um, And that point is so much stronger uh, When you have that context to it Than just a guy got healed he, got picked up, he picked up his mat It was on a Sabbath And that's a big issue That's like the portion of that scripture That most people talk about Um because the Pharisees talk about it, and that's how that works. Um, But yeah, so I hope that context uh, and background helps reading this. Um, There are a couple different um, areas of Scripture that have those types of things. There's a bunch of things. So like when you write a letter to somebody about something going on in your house that they've been to, Um, or like an area that you've both been to and you have a bunch of common knowledge, uh, there's a bunch of things that go without being said. There are things that you just don't explain often. Or even if you've heard like in big cities like Chicago, if you've heard like traffic reports and you say, you know, from this to this, Um, it's going to be about this long Uh, but there's no streets, there's no like signs or anything like that for them, just like the locals know those landmarks and those names and what that means Um, those are just things that go without being said from a contextual um, cultural basis and they didn't think that, you know, they should write all the details, because why would they? They're writing to people that have a common uh, cultural uh, basis and ideas and philosophy that there's it would be insane to be like, oh, I'm going to write this because future people that don't understand us are going to read this. Like that's like so meta and not even part of what they were thinking, especially since the majority of them thought that Jesus was coming back very, very, very soon. Why would they think that people 2000 years later are going to be reading this text and they need explained all these things? Um, so that's why this isn't talked about in that way. That's not, that's why he didn't say it, uh, and list all this out. Um, because there'd be no point. People know the area, people know uh, what's there, uh, and people just understand that. Just by giving a pool of Bethesda, they got it by the sheep's gate, obviously. That's the location. Um, so yeah, uh, that's the uh, cultural basis, and uh, there's a bunch of stuff throughout all of Scripture, really, um, that needs more of that. Um, which is kind of like the purpose of my existence currently, is to teach those things uh, because I find them fascinating. And I think that they just give a new layer to Scripture um, and make it more understandable um, because you're missing things, obviously, because you don't live 2,000 years ago in Israel. Um, So we just have different cultures and different understandings. And that's okay, Um, obviously, and the Word is living, and, like, the Lord's going to speak to you through reading that. But when talking about, like, historical context, it's important to um, read it in a historical, contextual way. Um, But, yeah, so I hope that was good and uh, you understood everything. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening to this podcast and checking it out and all the good stuff. Um, Yeah, I'll catch you guys in the next one.